Hi, everyone. I'm Mayor Sumble Siddiqui. And I'm Alana Mellon, Vice Mayor. And this is our weekly podcast, Women Are Here. It's March. That's crazy. Um, we're in March, and uh, this week felt very long. I know. It is Friday. It does feel like this week was 75 days long. But um, I did just notice on the calendar that Daylight Savings isn't this isn't tomorrow, but is the next weekend? Is that right? I think, I think so. I think. I think that will help so much in everyone's moods. Don't you think just to have that like longer hour in the evening light? It would help me. (laughs) Something's got to (laughs) give. Something has to give. Yeah. Uh, I'm not doing, I haven't really done anything this week except for late meetings and work, but I'm trying to find something fun to do. Like, I don't know, go to a new restaurant. Um, there is, there's, there's a couple new restaurants. I think, um, there's that Wusan road in Harvard square that looks fun. It's like a tiki bar. Oh, it looks so fun. Um, so that one I want to go to. And then there's also La Royal on Huron Avenue. It's like in that little tiny building, like across from Royal Avenue. That's right. And, um, so I know the, I know one of the owners, Maria Rondo, um, her, our kids went to the Tobin together, but she and her partner, Juan Ma Calderon, they also own a restaurant called in Somerville called Celeste. And I've so been there. It's good, right? Mm-hmm. So it's Peruvian food. And so they're bringing their like Peruvian food flavor here to Cambridge. It's opening or it opened last week. I'm dying to go. The funny thing about them is that they have this house in Vermont that they last summer just started, like they opened a restaurant in their house. Like invite people, Uh, you can, you can reserve on Resi. It's 12 seats and they just cook dinner. And it was, the craziest part is that it was written up in the New York Times food section. Um, The food's supposed to be incredible. And um, it's just, it's just so funny. But anyways, it's only open in the summertime while they're up there for the season. Um, Like I said, it's, it's just 12 seats. I, I'm dying to go it's somewhere in Vermont, um, but it's possible to get a seat apparently because they have these like pop-ups. Like they had one that was like a Korean Peruvian um, mixture that sounded amazing. So anyways, we're super lucky that Maria and Juan um, have made Cambridge their home for La Royal and I can't wait to go. Oh yeah, that sounds really fun. I wanna go eventually too. So, all right, let's get into this because it's Friday night and we have, I mean, we have laundry no plans. We have laundry to fold and salad. salad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we've got some quick COVID-19 updates before we dive into council business. Cambridge case, posi- Cambridge case positivity rate is now slightly over 1%. I think it was 1.09%. In January, it was almost as high as 10%. So this represents a huge drop in positivity rates over the last eight weeks. We have been seeing a high level of cases through the daily numbers, but those increases in cases are largely higher education cases from MIT and Harvard. So for example, for Monday to Wednesday of this week, of the cases reported to the Cambridge Police Police, Public Health Department, only 18% of those cases reported were um, from the broader community, with the other 82% of cases being reported by the universities in Cambridge. the public health department and the city are working with our university and other community partners to continue monitoring those trends. I know Anna Kaplan from the public health department on Monday night was telling a, a little bit about this um, 
at the at the COVID update. So um, hopefully we'll get some more information and that Harvard and MIT can get that under control. Yeah, and so this week on Monday night, we heard some additional um, you know, announcements around the mask mandate. And basically the city is uh, going to lift its indoor mask mandate on March 14th. Um, the mask mandate applies to restaurants, places of worship, you know, performance venues, other places that are open to the public. Um, originally took effect in September, 2021. And so, um, you know, we had strengthened it to, you know, um, include common areas and some residential buildings in January as the variant Omicron spread. And now based on, you know, what we're seeing um, and the data that we're seeing about the cases declining and so forth uh, and the, the city's municipal wastewater monitoring program and the vaccination, uh, there's been a recommend, there's been the decision made to stop um, masking in the city and making it optional. But um, after the mandate is lifted, businesses may continue to require that patrons wear masks inside their establishment um, and mask um, requirements for visitors and employees inside municipal buildings will continue through March 27th. Um, we in the uh, school committee meeting last week, we discussed aligning with the March 14th date. Right now, um, I was just on the phone with the superintendent before this and the vice chair, uh, we're thinking through some next steps. There are either being a communication um, about the March 14th proposal. Um, so I can't share anything right now, but we did discuss it being March 14th um, at last Tuesday's meeting. So, we have some updates on vaccines. Um, so as we report on this podcast every week, we've got 76% of our Cambridge residents are fully vaxxed. 92% of our residents have had at least one dose and 46% of our residents have received a booster shot. There are some upcoming vaccine clinics. So if you haven't gotten that second shot or you haven't gotten your booster and you're eligible, please um, go to any one of these upcoming vaccine clinics. They're super easy. Uh, there's one at St. Paul AME's church at the testing site next, oh, tomorrow, Saturday, March 5th, and at Cambridgeside uh, on Mar Monday, March 7th from 11 to 3 p.m. And then additionally, the Cambridge Public Health Department will also host a COVID-19 vaccine clinic um, on March 9th at the Reservoir Church in North Cambridge. If you have questions about where to get the vaccine in one of these upcoming city vaccine clinics, you can go to cambridgema.gov slash COVID-19 Flash vaccine, and there's all of the information there. And as far as testing, from February 1st to 28th, um, over 5,000 tests were administered at city operated testing sites, which is an average of 258 tests per testing session in February. Or it's really, you know, come down because it was 758 fewer tests per day from January. So in addition, a total of 600 tests were administered at the CIC health testing site in Kendall Square from February 25th to March 3rd. Um, based on this, and then on, on March 2nd, there were about 333 tests at uh, St. John's Church. So based on the schedule, 
um, the city of Cambridge for March has announced that the March schedule for its free seven days per week testing program will include some walk-ups um, and the appointment-based testing options that um, you just, I think you, you covered them, right? Um, no. So you just, oh yeah, yeah. You are covered the vaccine clinics. It's all running together. So beginning <laughs> tomorrow, appointment only testing at CIC Health's 295 Third Street location is going to be available. Sunday is going to be available two to eight. And then Monday through Friday, it's going to be five to 10. Saturday will be 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. So tomorrow, starting tomorrow, 8 to 8 p.m. And then on Monday for the walk-up sites, it's only going to be 11 to 3 at Cambridge side in the parking garage on level G3. And then only on Wednesdays from two to six at St. John um, Church at 222, 2254 Mass Ave. So, so like you said, I think in January it was a thousand mm -hmm. tests per day and now it's about 250 tests per day at those walk-up sites. So we're moving from a seven day a week testing back down to two days a week uh, in the walk-up. And then you can always schedule a CIC uh, health test that's seven days a week and those hours you just went through. <laughs> I tried to go through it. <laughs> <laughs> you did a great job. <laughs> you can all go online at uh, cambridgema.gov slash COVID-19 slash news 2022 slash testing schedule for March. Just Google testing schedule for March. That's a good idea. Just Google yeah, it. Just Google it. All right, so that's the COVID update. So Monday night, we had our a city council meeting. We hadn't had one in two weeks because we had a round table and then it was President's Day. So it was a super, super long evening. Um, we got a, a COVID update, which made it pretty long. And then we had some charter written items. Um, but I don't... I don't what, remember. What was the big controversy? I just feel like there were so many just items. Honestly, it's such a blur. I. Don't think we had anything really policy order. A number of policy orders got charter written. So, and a number of the applications got char charter written. So Monday is going to be even more, even longer. But there was an error with the minute track system. Mm -hmm. So we weren't, we didn't have physical copies. And so there was an issue with that um, for some counselors who couldn't read it in their book. So it was, stuff was charter in, but yeah, I, I honestly, I don't, there was one thing about the website and putting stuff on the central website with DHSP programs and you pulled it, you thanked everyone. Yes. So we had asked back in December for um, all of the gun violence prevention programs in the city to be placed in one place on the website. Uh, we asked the police department and the Department of Human Services to work with the city manager to do that. I think just because it's not always clear how many violence prevention programs we have, who they serve, how to access them. Um, and so we thought it would be a good first step to figure out, um, first get them into one place, and then we can look and see where those gaps are and how to fill them in. So I actually did pull it um, both to talk about it, but also to thank Commissioner Elo um, for getting it to us so quickly. It, it is, um, when you send something to the police department, it comes back, it um, comes back pretty quickly. So I wanted to hold them up and highlight them as a, um, a, 
a department to emulate when um, receiving council orders. So that one was a good one. Um, I did, there was a number of um, reappointments to uh, boards and commissions. And, you know, back in November, I think people may or may not remember that, that they voted to give the city council power over board and commission members and appointments. Um, and, you know, there's, they just keep coming on the agenda. Uh, the city manager keeps, you know, putting them forward to us. And we have as a city council not developed any parameters around what we would like to see and how we would like this process to move forward. So I, I exercise my charter rights so I can have some conversation with colleagues and with city staff on um, what the best way to proceed with future board and commission appointments. So we'll look forward to that conversation continuing both on Monday night and in the future. So we also had a bunch of, um, a bunch of committee hearings this week. One of them was a government operations meeting on Wednesday that I chaired that um, was very exciting, I have to say. <laughs> uh, mostly because in the middle of it, my daughter, um, as I was talking, she and her friends um, did not have the key to get into my house and were both ringing the doorbell repeatedly and banging on my back door at the same time. I was chairing the meeting from my kitchen. So um, I had to quickly recess the meeting, yell at everybody, <laughs> open the doors. <laughs> That was the most exciting part of the of the committee hearing. However, the committee hearing was not about that. It was about um, bringing forward the leadership profile that came out of the city manager search process, this community engagement process that we've been having over the last six weeks where we've been working with Randy Frank, our executive search consultant to do town halls to, you know, administer surveys. We had a, you know, on a, a website that people could provide feedback. We had over 20 focus groups. Randy Frank and her team met with every single department head and city, uh, depart city department head and city councilor. It represented uh, almost 100 hours of people's time, uh, really hearing from residents and stakeholders on what they want to see and the next city manager. So the leadership profile is sort of the culmination of all those conversations that is basically the job description that we will post um, to attract those and recruit those candidates for the job. So it's really important. Um, I think we all felt that it was very important to make sure that we got this leadership profile right, um, that we heard from residents and stakeholders on, on what they'd like to see, and that that was reflected in this document. So it was uh, a first draft review. Um, we had some really good conversations about what was missing, uh, what they, you know, committee members and council members wanted to see. And then we have another meeting on Wednesday next week at 1 p.m. just to review the final do document and then it can go up and be posted and we can start recruiting. So that's, that's a really exciting um, yeah. step in the process. Um, and I know- It was a great meeting. It was a great yeah. meeting. You did a great job. <laughs> well, you and your team um, and DRMIA my aide and Naomi Stefan and the council office, you know, it's been a, a real team effort. Adrian in your office, Subu in your office, um, you know, making sure all of this happened over the last six weeks and we were able to present that document. Uh, so a big thanks to all the, the team that worked on this and to Randy Frank and her team for, for putting this together. And I, I'm excited about this next step. Definitely. And then we all had a finance um, hearing on Wednesday night um, around ARPA funding and um, what really the city is, has um, committed so far and what department heads ha are, you know, other ideas on what um, we should use the ARPA money for based on 
um, you know, feed, department head feedback and, and ideas uh, and, you know, departments themselves. So this meeting, the intent wasn't to talk about kind of the community, um, uh, you know, a, um, applications that have been put in. There's been a number that have been put in, I think, at our next meeting. We'll have on this, we'll have a better idea of what those are looking like. Um, heart, a lot of the public comment was about heart and um, specific kind of areas that some folks want. It, it was a lot of the community aspect of it. Um, so it was, it was, you know, it was, it was a fine meeting. I think it's just really preliminary. Um, so that was Wednesday night. Yeah, I mean, the thing about that meeting that I found disappointing was like the energy around I mean like yeah this is a really amazing opportunity to be showcasing some of the items that the department heads or the departments have come up with based on city council goals and things that we've all talked about that like we've wanted we've been wanting to do for a long time but we've not been able to do or we've now we're able to tie it back to COVID recovery you know there's there was a lot of opportunity to like be excited about some of these things and it was just very like and then we're looking at this and then we're gonna look at this and that's no 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 shade to the to the folks presenting but I do feel like sometimes we could have a little amp up of the energy like you know I asked about <clears throat> one of the one of the items that I saw in there was like a pop-up program for vacant storefronts targeting BIPOC entrepreneurs like seven hundred thousand dollars right and you know I asked uh party safari um, who's in charge of the economic development division to talk about that a little bit. And like, just hearing her talk about, uh, you know, this really, this targeted program saying, we've got these empty storefronts, we've got BIPOC and entrepreneurs and artists and, you know, really working and having the flexibility and this funding to support, you know, marrying those two things. Like what an exciting opportunity, right? There's, so there's like lots of them in here like that, where, you know, provide scholarships yeah. to support, uh, to allow low-income children to attend community after-school programs, like a million dollars, housing mm -hmm. navigation and stabilization supports to rehouse individuals staying in shelters, non-housed in Cambridge, $2.3 million. Uh, there's just so many things in here where you're like, wow, this is so great. Right. Um, you know, language justice stuff, stuff that, you know, you and I have been working on, uh, broadband consultants for um, the public housing, the Cambridge Housing Authority over at Newtown Court, uh, Washington Elms and um, Manning Apartments, right? Like there's just, there's a way to talk about this stuff where it's kind of a victory lap. Like, look at the cool stuff we're doing. And sometimes I just feel like it was very dry. It was like an accounting conversation. Yeah. So anyway, um, I am looking forward to the next conversation, which is around the community members and what they yeah. have submitted through the portal. That has not closed. So if you have a great idea that's related to COVID recovery and um, please submit it through the portal because those things are being uh, assessed right now. So anyways, that, that conversation is coming up. The other um, meeting that was held this week was not a city council meeting necessarily, but the um, was held by the traffic and parking department and the department of public works on the cycling safety ordinance and the section of Mass Ave um, from Dudley street to beach street uh, and Waterhouse to Roseland, or Roseland to Waterhouse rather. So it's like the, the part of Mass Ave um, where the new bike lanes stop in North Mass Ave all the way to Harvard Square without the part of Porter Square in the middle. 
it was a really good meeting. Um, I think the city staff was uh, well prepared. They um, put together this video of like, you know, what a quick build would look like, what a, you know, a medium construction and what a, a high impact construction would look like and the timelines on that. And what they, you know, what they said to us was the, you know, for, for them to put together, uh, you know, a full reconstruction with bike lanes like around Western Avenue, that would take 10 years. And so, um, you know, that obviously is not the way we want to be building these bike lanes in the ordinance, uh, but that, you know, some construction, partial construction will be necessary. Like we want to talk about removing the median in sort of all or, or part of uh, Mass Ave just to give us some of those widths in there um, and make sure that we can um, preserve some of the parking. So it was a really good meeting and I liked the format. They, um, you know, they did the video and then they answered some questions that had been submitted, uh, you know, ahead of time. And then they took questions from um, people who were, who were on the Zoom. So there was, they took like 10 or 15 questions and then they stopped and then they answered those questions because some of them were similar. And then they went back to questions and then they did that a couple of times. And I think it was a really good format in terms of like feeling like not only did you say your thing, but you got your question answered right there. And then they did say that they would come back with any you know answers that they didn't have. But like in terms of these bike lane meetings, it was probably the best one that I've attended. So a huge shout out and kudos to not only Joe Barr, Kathy Watkins, Stephanie, and uh, Brooke McKenna over in traffic and parking and GPW. But you know, I know that a presentation like that, there's a lot of work that goes behind it. And so thanks to everybody at their team. But you know, there has been a lot of consternation in the community and misinformation about what is coming next. Um, so I think it was a good meeting to kind of talk about the timeline, the, you know, getting that good information and communication from the staff about the, those next lanes and what will happen. The other thing, um, there is a communication on the agenda for Monday night around this segment that is the next thing to be built under the cycling safety ordinance. And that is from Beach Street to Roseland, which is essentially just that 1400 feet of roadway, Mass Ave roadway, right in the heart of Porter Square, like, you know, from Beach Street up and over the bridge and past that Leslie lot. Um, and it ends like sort of right before um, Paper Source or yeah, that, that, that corner. So the communication from traffic and parking essentially said that we, you know, we have a target date of the end of April per the ordinance. We are not going to hit that target date for a number of reasons. One, um, we need to do uh, an enhanced level of community engagement that the city council has asked us to do. And we wanna have appropriate amount of feedback from the neighborhood um, in, before we present a final design and start construction. Um, it does say that the uh, lanes will be put in before the construction season ends, which is typically November. So I know that, you know, our, our team is trying to get it done um, er much earlier than November, but this communication is on the agenda for Monday night. And, you know, I, I totally understand and see that this, um, they need this delay. Uh, I know it's really disappointing that those lanes aren't gonna be put in um, by the end of April as they were scheduled to, but I know that our traffic and parking team is balancing a lot of, um, you know, council 
orders around community engagement and stakeholder meetings um, with this ordinance. So I, I appreciate the tricky balance that they are striking right now. And I appreciate uh, the level of enhanced level of community engagement because uh, we want to get this right. Um, and we, um, you know, I know we want to get them, I know we want to get them in and this is a high priority area because it is such a dangerous intersection, but we do want to get this right. So look for that on Monday night. That's just a conversation um, for us to, you know, it's not really a vote. <laughs> uh, it's just really them telling us. It's like you have to place it on file. So usually you just place those on file. <laughs> right. Uh, so. Yeah, and then on Monday night, we also have a request to move into executive session to discuss the purchase exchange, lease or value of real estate property as a discussion and open meeting may have a detrimental effect on the negotiation position of the public body. So well, that'll be fun because who knows that what will that's be about? Hmm? <laughs> so who knows what that's about? I do know, but I can't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, I look forward to knowing on Monday. Yes, yes. Um, um, one of the other things that's on the agenda for Monday night is something that I put in with you, with Councillor Zondervan and Councillor McGovern, which is one of my favorite topic, um, the rat problem here in the city, and um, looking at a smart box technology that Somerville is piloting. Um, they're putting 50 of these uh, smart boxes across the city, which are not, you know, the typical uh, bait and trap boxes that, um, you know, I have in my yard and I feel like everybody has in their yard now through the, the city of Cambridge uh, private property rat <laughs> program. Um, but it, it, it uses a different technology and um, Portland, Maine has been using them and it has been effective. You know, what we've heard anecdotally um, through our, our folks that set out our traps is that the rats are becoming really immune to the, to the poison and that, you know, we do need more and better um, ways to mitigate the rat problem here in Cambridge. I mean, last summer in my neighborhood was pretty bad. And, you know, I feel like everybody I talked to was like, yep, me too. Yep, me too. So um, really trying to figure out if it's a technology that we can use here in Cambridge to help mitigate this problem. Um, one of the other things that we're doing just on the topic of rats uh, is that we're rolling out starting this spring our new um, garbage barrel program where everybody, every household will have the same garbage barrel. It'll be similar to the, the recycling bin and the compost bin in that same width of plastic. It's rodent proof. So hopefully that will help as well. But that's something that is on for Monday night. If, if you're interested in the rat problem, please, please tune in and support that policy order. Yes, definitely. Then I, there's another policy order that's from me around, um, tickets to the African-American History Museum that we have in Boston. And um, during the month last for February uh, was Black History Month. And so we sponsored tickets uh, to the museum. And, you know, we had a lot of residents reach out with interest. And I actually, along with Aisha Wilson from the school committee, took a group of CRLS students, about 20-ish students to the museum um, members of the um, Black Student Union, and now you know I we know that libraries provide free tickets for our residents on to various museums. So the ask is to um, have this provided. A lot of people didn't even know this museum existed. Including um, myself. Yeah, yeah, and I found out about it really recently, probably like last year sometime, 
um, when Kim, Kim Janie invited me to her like state address that was there. Um, so anyway, the request, I hope, I think hopefully the library and library foundation will grant it so that, you know, we can have residents go as much as they want. Um, and another thing on the agenda is related to DHSP preschools and kind of parent, more parent engagement uh, as was put in on, put in by uh, Councillor Simmons. So yeah, I did see that one and I'm interested in knowing a little bit more because the policy order seems to suggest that DHSP uh, programs went from 10 hours a day to eight hours a day um, with very short notice. And so like, if you're, I mean, as somebody who used to <laughs> utilize daycare, like an eight hour day does not allow you to get to and from your job, right? Like if you have an eight, an eight hour job, like it, there's no transit time there and back. So um, that's, it's, that would be really difficult, um, you know, mm -hmm. if I had little kids right now. So I'd be interested. I'm, I'm, I don't know much about it. So I'd be, inter I'm interested to hear what Councillor Simmons says on Monday night. And speaking of the DHSP, um, they have announced details about their community schools, summer camps and Cambridge youth program, summer programming. Uh, I think it came out last night. So all summer programming will run Monday to Friday, 8.30 to 5.30 during um, three two-week sessions spanning July 11th to August 19th. Applications to both programs will open this Monday, March 14th, and programs will be filled by lottery with priority giving to low-income families. So you can find out more information, including application periods, notification timelines, and frequently asked questions. That's available at cambridgema.gov slash summer camps. So again, that is those open on Monday, March 14th. And then on March 8th for International Women's Day and packing the she session. <laughs> Am I saying that right? Yeah, um, like it's a recession, but for just women. Yeah, reimagining a new workforce for a new world. Um, this is a virtual program. And over the, as we know, we've talked about over the past two years, women have left the workforce at an unprecedented rate, women in color in particular. Um, often occupy jobs that are labeled essential that require them to physically show up to work. Um, and you're also parents with young children at home who need oversight and attention, um, who are the caretakers of aging parents or children, other non-paying vital, um, you know, non-workforce labor. So uh, as a result, in the last quarter of 2021, as many as one in three women reported considering leaving their job, changing jobs or reducing their work hours. So um, this uh, she session has intensified and shed light on a lot of these long-standing programs problems. So, um, yeah, this is going to be a uh, Zoom um, on Tuesday, and we'll both tweet out information about it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really interesting in the context of the um, conversation we've been having in Cambridge about the lack of our uh, remote work policy and how you know, I can imagine that one out of three of our um, female workforce, our staff members are really thinking about, um, you know, if we don't have a remote work policy, um, what what am I gonna do? Am I gonna stay with the city of Cambridge? I've, we've heard, you know, really anecdotally um, that, you know, a lot of, first of all, we have a lot of, um, a lot of open positions, but that, you know, top candidates are turning us down because we don't have a remote work policy. I think it's really critical for 
2022 for us to have something like that. And unless we, it's a, it's a very interesting topic to be discussing at this moment in the city. Um, so I look forward to that on March 8th. And it's um, just so folks know, it's uh, there's going to be a number of panelists and sponsored by a bunch of folks, um, including our own um, Cambridge Women's Center Commission. Oh. So shout out to Kimberly over at the Women's Commission. Um, so there are, speaking of meetings that are happening this week, the Mass Ave improvements, the Harvard Square bus stops and kiosk construction update is happening this Thursday, March 10th from six to eight. Join the city for this virtual community meeting to discuss projects associated with the cycling safety ordinance, but this meeting will specifically focus on the two bus stop segments in Harvard Square, Garden Street to Church Street and Dunster Street to Plimpton Street. And there will also be an update on the kiosk construction project, which I'm dying to know what is happening there because I feel like every time I walk by, it looks exactly the same. Yeah, I'm dying to know too. <laughs> um, we'll also have a safety improvements uh, in Porter Square meeting where traffic and parking will host their second virtual community meeting regarding the safety improvements in Porter Square on Tuesday, March 15th from six to eight. Um, as has been mentioned, this project um, will install separated bike lanes from Beach Street to Rosen Street as part of the cycling ordinance. And during the meeting, we'll have, we will update the public on the design for the square your feedback we've heard since the first meeting. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one too. Um, all right, so I think that's like all the news fit to print here in Cambridge this week. We look forward to joining you next week. Um, the week after that, we are heading to Washington DC to a National League of Cities conference. Two years later, we were at the National League of Cities conference with um, all of our colleagues, uh, all of the department heads and 4,000 other people all in one hotel the weekend before <laughs> we went. Um, we all worked, started working from home. It was one of those crazy weekends where every minute we were like, should we be here? Should we be yeah, here? Yeah, I'll never forget. Like we were having nachos at this great nachos place, but we're definitely going to again. Definitely going. Definitely going. And we're just like, hmm, you know, <laughs> are you going back early? Are we there from early? And then we all did leave like, a day early and got back and then the whole world shut down like two days later. <laughs> I, kept, I kept looking at all of our um, Cambridge Youth Council students being like, I cannot believe we brought these high school students here to COVID <laughs> festival 2020. Oh, gosh. Um, but we all, we all, I am like, it's, it's, it's amazing. We're, that we're, we're all, going back. We're older, we're wiser. Yep. Well, I'm larger, but, you know, <laughs> and I think, you know, I, I'm excited about some of the topics, the post COVID topics that are going to be discussed. Um, Definitely. And getting some real, um, it's always really inspiring to be there and like hearing what other cities are doing. So um, we hope that you have a great week and we hope to uh, see you soon, but thanks as always for joining us and have a great day. Thanks. Bye-bye.